Good morning. Welcome, everyone. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. Isn't that interesting? The first three blessings, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek. Now we have blessed are the righteous. But what we, what we have here are the words hunger and thirst. Why didn't Jesus up the mount when he's talking to his disciples, why didn't he just say, blessed are the righteous? Why did he say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled? And he is talking about God's righteousness, his righteousness. You see, at the start of the world, in, in Genesis 3, Everybody was happy, weren't they? Humanity was going to be this lovely, amazing place. And then sin came into the world, and God's righteousness got lost. And we are born with the sin. We're born, we're fallen short of the glory of God. And now, as we read in Romans 3, but now, apart from the law and the, the righteousness of God has been known, to which the law and the prophets testify, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And as we've heard this morning, people just shared. They said, I love Jesus because he first loved me. Or he died on the cross for me. My sin is forgiven. We are justified by grace. Not the rules and the laws and the regulations. But God's righteousness is available to every one of us. And right now, we live in this in-between stage. Waiting to the blessedness of the God in eternity. And, and when you hunger and thirst, we need to take those words. We need to understand those words. We need to ask, why are they in there? Why didn't he just put, blessed are the righteous, and they will be filled. And God's righteousness is far greater, far higher than any of our own human righteousness. But he says it's more than that. We need a hunger. We need a thirst to know the Spirit of God more and more, and we will be filled. And every week I want to say there is more to God. There is more to God. And if you look at our own righteousness, it does not measure up anywhere near to what God is saying to us. Look at Isaiah 64. All of us have become like one who is unclean. All of our righteous acts are as filthy rags. God's salvation is a starting point to our life. It is the starting point of our realization that we are lost without God. Our own righteousness is about pride, it's about ego, it's about me. And if you look at Luke chapter 18, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, and I know you all know that, but it says to some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. 
Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you. I'm not like those other people, the robbers, the evildoers, the adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all that I get. But the tax collector, he stood at a distance. He would not look up to heaven. He beat his breast and said, God, Have mercy on me, I am a sinner. I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Our righteousness is far below God's standard of righteousness. And it's interesting that he says, we need a hunger and we need a thirst to find God's righteousness. All of our righteousness, in his eyes, is filthy rags. So we start to build and to pray and hunger and thirst after God's righteousness, and we will be filled. We will be filled with the spirit of the living God. You know, those words, hunger and thirst, they are such powerful, powerful words. It's not like a a nice to have or a maybe or a perhaps. But Jesus is saying, hunger and thirst, make it your life's desire. Make it your life's ambition to find God more and more and more. In a sense, the, the very quality of life, the, the necessity of life, food and, and drink or water, Hunger and thirst. Why did he grab those words? Why are they so powerfully put there as opposed to some other softer words? The, the, the totality of it is our desire to make our faith so real and so alive that we hunger and thirst to be in that righteous place to God. And, and whatever we come across, we live in this world that we all know is up and down and it's around about, it's all around the place. And we hunger and thirst. Now, we don't have to rush off and join a monastery to hunger and thirst after God. But you know, for me, with our faith, our Christian walk, there is always more. There is always something else that God wants to take us as individuals and teach us and show us. And it's such a neat, kind way, I reckon. If you hunger and thirst after God, he will lead, he will guide, he will show you. And, And I don't know how much more to stress that. And like I say every week, take time, spend time, with God. That's it. Simple. You know, we've looked at Ecclesiastes and all the great stuff we can have, all the material stuff we can have, which is all good. And and we are shaped and we're conditioned by the world around us and, and we can't get away from it. And that's fact and that's fun. And as Ecclesiastes said, enjoy life, have a good life, have lots of fun. It's all good. It's all great. Enjoy what you have. But how can we be spiritually aware in the world today? And I think that the fact that Jesus 
chose to use those words hunger, the words hunger and thirsty, I think are incredibly relevant words to the world we live in today. Absolutely. To find our faith, to draw near to Jesus, the hunger and the thirsting of what it is to be a follower of Jesus. And to be filled, the infilling of the Spirit. It's a boldness. It's a challenge. I was reading the other week of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He's a German theologian um, in the last century. And uh, he's most notable for taking a stand against Nazism uh, prior to the war and during the war. He, he was a very strong theologian. He, he trained in England. He trained in America. And, and he was, even before, he went to America to train in the 30s, so prior to World War II. And even in those times, as he saw Nazism take off, he was standing against it. Then he went to America and then war broke out. So he was living, this German theologian, living safely in America. And the war was hundreds, thousands of miles away over there somewhere. But during this time, he actually he made a statement. And he actually returned to Germany. He said, I've come to the conclusion that I made a mistake in coming to America. I must live through this difficult period in our national history with the people of Germany. I will have no right to participate in the reconstruction of Christian life in Germany after the war if I do not share the trials of this time with my people. And he returned. The hunger and the thirst that he had for the righteousness of God and Jesus in his own life meant that he could not stand off in another country and be safe and see Nazism take off in Germany. He returned to Germany during the war. He made a stand as much as he could against Hitler, which is never going to work, is it? And he was eventually arrested for plotting to to, uh, kill Hitler, put into a concentration camp, and I think he was hung in April 1945, only a few weeks before liberation, I think, too. But this man, he, he, this hunger and his thirst for righteousness, for what was right, filled with a spirit, he left the safety of America and came to Germany to stand for what he believed was right. You see, we can, we can talk about a contented faith, which is good, but that does not mean that we always have a nice, comfortable, lukewarm, feel-good faith. Sometimes we have to take a risk. Sometimes we have to step out of the boat and walk on water, as Jesus would call us to. God's righteousness, it encourages us to keep making our faith real and alive and relevant in the world and the days that we live in. And back to hunger and thirst. Have this deep, deep, deep desire to know Jesus. To love Jesus. To find him. Because he will bring it together for us. He will give us everything. Someone shared this morning, I love Jesus because he has given me this and this and this. 
Everything. We don't have to worry. Matthew 6, chapter verse, uh, 6, verse 33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All of these things will be added to you. And that leading up to that, it talks about, you know, your food and the clothes that you would wear and how God looks after the birds and clothes, what clothes the fields or the birds or whatever. And now he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. You know, our spiritual attitude needs to be one of growing, of moving, of walking forward with the Lord. And we need to seek him, not to be sidetracked, not to worry. We live in an incredible exciting era. Well, perhaps it may not be that exciting for the church, but it can be exciting for the church. We live in this sort of missional era now that we need to have a new kind of missional thinking. Because uh, Leslie Newbegin, he was a missionary in India for 40 years, an Englishman, and he retired, and he went back to Britain in the 1970s, and where he says he found the church was in a more difficult was a more difficult mission field than when he left it. Fifty years ago, this guy he'd been in India for 40 years as a missionary. He comes back to England in the 1970s, and he says. The church in England is a more difficult mission field. Nothing's changed, has it? He said England is a pagan society and the development of a truly missional encounter with this very tough form of paganism is the greatest intellectual and practical task facing the church. Now this was over 50 years ago. Nothing's changed, has it? Has it? Have it? Have we moved? Have we grown? Has the church, has God found his place? Hunger and thirst and you will be filled. Hunger and thirst and God will lead you. The Spirit will lead us. Imagine this church. Right? Imagine your church. Open seven days a week. Meeting the needs of our community. There's a whole bunch of people here this morning who have the gift of discernment and the Spirit is talking to you right now about ideas, about what we can do. I believe that. Imagine what this church could do. I heard of a church over the hill. Someone had an idea. Let's uh, let's have... Uh, morning tea on Monday mornings for the community. So they put out brochures and pamphlets and the letterboxes. Come down for a cup of tea and a chat, cup of coffee, Monday morning. A handful of people turned up, not heaps. A lady turned up and she said, do you have a knitting group? Yes, we have a knitting group. Now she's hooked into the knitting group. Come on. 
Hunger and thirst. The Spirit will fill you. The Spirit will lead you. Who wants to start a knitting group? Or crocheting group? You know, this, this is the excitement of the gospel. Imagine if everyone here gave one hour or two hours voluntary to this church for a week. How many hours voluntary would we have? Because people hungered, people thirsted, people asked. People were led by the Spirit of God. The gift of this sermon said, let's do it, let's try. If nobody turns up for the cup of tea, does it really matter? If one person turns up and says, hey, do you have a knitting group? Oh, yes, we do. It matters for them, doesn't it? What are we doing with our church today? We have a whole bunch of school children. I see them when I'm here. They walk by in the morning and in the afternoon. Can we offer after-school tutoring education for children? Two Two afternoons a week, we have volunteer people who are here. Children can pop in. Mum and Dad can pop in for a cup of tea. Can we do that? Can we offer education, tutoring? Just, 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 you know, you've all got great ideas. You're all filled with the Spirit. The Spirit is talking to you. The Spirit is leading you. We hunger, we thirst after God's righteousness. And we will be filled with His Spirit. Because something's missing. Something's got to change. The status quo with the church is not working. And Leslie Newbigin said that 50 years ago in England. We haven't really moved on from there, have we? And really, it's about the excitement is the glory of God gets released. Imagine being in a church where the glory of God is being released. And whether it's a Monday morning or whether it's a Thursday afternoon after school or whether it's a a monthly book club or an art and craft or whatever, we're meeting. We're doing something with the community. Let's not be a boring church. Let's be a startup church. Yes. Can I have a little bit of excitement? (laughs) You know, somehow, the church is the most incredible, exciting place. Honestly, it really is. God and you, you, God and his spirit in your life, it answers everything. You don't have to be a nut bar like me and jump up and down in the front of the church. That's, That's not for everybody, but God works. Like, let me ask you, simple question. Who owns Easter and Christmas? Thank you very much. The church owns Easter and Christmas, don't we? How do we reclaim it? How do we get Jesus back into Christmas and Easter? How do we get the X out of Xmas? We own, honestly we do, don't we? Easter and we own Christmas. How are we going to claim it back again? What is the Spirit of God saying 
to your church, to our church. Do we hunger? Do we thirst? Because without Jesus, there is no Christmas. Without Jesus, there is no Easter. I was reading again last week on the Welsh Revival, which tore through Wales a hundred years ago. And what they did is they started to pray. They had a hunger. People had little pockets. They had a hunger. They had the thirst to pray. And, and the revival started. And it, and it took off. And they had all-night prayer meetings. And they had all-night singing and praying. And there was this move of the Spirit right through Wales and pockets of Wales. That's just over 100 years ago. Now, I'm not saying we transplant that and bring it here and say, right, next week we all have to have an all-night prayer meeting. It doesn't work like that. But what it does tell us, if people hunger, if people thirst for God's righteousness, they are filled with the Spirit. And, and Wales, if you've read about it, it just took off. But what is the Spirit saying to the church of New Zealand today? And that's what we need to pray about. That's what we need to hunger and thirst and seek God about. It's not difficult. It's not hard. Jesus said, you will be blessed. You will be blessed when you hunger and thirst after righteousness. You will be filled. And we need to get back. Our confidence. The church has been hiding under a rock somewhere. We need to get our confidence back. We need to pray. We need a hunger. We need a thirst to find faith, to find our Lord. Because none of us, we're not under the law of sin and death anymore. We have this incredible freedom. We're under grace anymore. We, we live in this counter-cultural environment. What does that look like to every one of us today? S to be so consciously aware of the Spirit in our lives. It's so fascinating. A deep desire to find the righteousness of God as individuals. As God is leading us, God is taking us somewhere. The excitement that that brings... That, that, you know, salvation for every person. And the lady who goes to the knitting group gets to know Christian people. She asks. She finds people like-minded. And she comes to faith. And we have a strong faith. No circumstance, no situation, no person will weaken our faith. Our faith will become immovable when we get to this peaceful satisfaction of contentment with God. And sometimes it is uncomfortable. Sometimes we have to pray hard. Sometimes we have to hunger and thirst. Think about it. Just as I, as I wrap this up, think about why did Jesus up the mountain at the fourth or so um, Beatitudes say, those who hunger and thirst. Why did he put those words in there? A deep, deep desire. Because our own righteousness is not going to get it. Our own pride, our own ego, our own, okay, we'll be fine attitude 
does not work. We need to allow the Spirit, release the Spirit into this place. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we pray for your presence, Lord. Father, we pray for a desire, a deep commitment, a deep dedication, oh God, to hunger and thirst, Lord. Father, to know your righteousness, to seek you, oh Lord. Father, and to know what, what, how, and what it is to be filled, Lord, with your holy, holy spirit, Lord. Father, I thank you, Lord. Father, that that we can, can ask and we will receive, oh God. Father, I thank you for every person here, Lord. Every person is important, Lord, to this church, to each other. Lord, the gifts that every person that brings, Lord, that we can be a church that is on fire for you, Lord, a church that, that is exciting, Lord, excited to be here, Lord, a church that is serving our community, Lord. Father God, a church that is countercultural to this world, Lord, that opens our doors and say, come, come on in. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit will bless us, will meet us, Lord, that we would be overwhelmed with your presence, O oh God. Thank you that your promises overwhelm us, Lord, that you love us so much. Holy, holy, holy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit. Father, just come right now. Holy Spirit, touch every person, I pray, O oh God. Lord, help us to have that attitude, to hunger, to thirst, Lord. Holy, 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 holy God. Oh, Lord, thank you. Father, pray for your holiness, Lord. Your holiness would overwhelm us, oh, Lord. Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen.